This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Scott Cleland, Executive Director of Restore Us Institute, and we exist to bring accountability to protect people online from online harms. And I'm so appreciative to be having been on with Dr. Sky and had the Dr. Sky experience here on Talk Radio, WABC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dr. Sky Experience. Heard exclusively here on Talk Radio 77 WABC, hailing from New York City and around the world. Special thanks to our producer, Richard Dugan. Dr. Sky Experience, for the longest time, has great interviews from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather with celebrity guests in the mix. And also, common sense interviews about our American heritage and exceptionalism. And today, we'll be talking with Scott Cleland founder, executive director, and board member of Restore Us Institute. They can be found on the World Wide Web at RestoreUsInstitute.org. A little background on our special guest. Scott Cleland has 30 years of relevant professional expertise in U.S. Internet policy and technology. In 1992 and 93, he served as Deputy United States Coordinator for International Communications and Information Policy the H.W. Bush administration, and received a U.S. State Department Superior Honor Award. In 2002-14, to 14, the U.S. State Department of Advisory Committee covering international internet policy reappointed him to serve several two-year terms. He has testified under oath before eight different U.S. congressional subcommittees on communications and internet issues a total of 16 times. We're here today to talk with him about his institute. We're also here to talk about declaring independence, that is, from technological problems and tyranny. Scott, welcome to the Dr. Sky Experience. Appreciate your time today. And if you begin, please, by telling us a little bit more about your passion as you head the founder and executive director, board director for Restore Us Institute, which is to restore humanity online. Well, thank you, uh, Steve, uh, for having me on. Um, I've had a passion for this for um, about four years. I've been doing internet policy and things uh, related for over for about thirty years. But um, essentially, I realized um, as a researcher and an analyst uh, that no one had pulled together as I tried to search for it. Essentially, uh, the systemic adverse effects of the internet. You know, and we know there you know, sure. from the tech clash and from other things. We know there are a lot of big internet problems, but they hadn't been aggregated and they hadn't been studied. So I developed what I call macro-internetics, which is like macroeconomics is to economics. Yes. And when you look at the internet you know, globally and nationally as a system, uh, you realize, uh, and I was drilling down um, for a couple of years on really understanding the, the cause and effects of what it, um, what it does. 
And real briefly, I'll just summarize kind of what I realized is the main dynamic was internet policy, which was promoting anarchy. It was an absence of government policy, and it was you know, promoting approved anarchy online on autopilot. And then the technology itself was doing something unusual and being a peer-to-peer network and promoting peer-to-peer network. Those are non-reciprocal. So essentially, they were, um, what we discovered is it is essentially contra, you know, um, is counter everything else. Because most everything you know in society or in the economy, in security, in your life is reciprocal, meaning it involves somebody else or yes. something else. And it's a back and forth where it requires more than one person. And on the internet, P2P doesn't require anybody but one person. And it's self-governing, self-executing, it's um, autonomous, and it's uh, permissionless. And so you create um, there a different dynamic. You no, know, non-reciprocal tends to be amoral, and then there is a, um, a sense that there's no right and wrong. And so those two underlying ideas and concepts tell us a whole lot about why the Internet has so many problems. And we'll continue until it's fixed. Well, we're glad to have somebody like yourself talking about this because, you know, I'm going to go backwards here a little bit in, in the marketing and capitalist world. Everybody out there hears all these deals from all these different cell phone providers about get these lines, pay this amount of money. You know, everybody's willing, it seems. Nobody's really questioning about the dangers of the Internet. That's why I think it's important. You know, parents out there have some severe concerns, many parents, as you know very well, about what their children are able to see on the Internet, how the Internet is governed. But if you don't mind, can you take us back in time when the Internet really got its start? I ask this question to many other professionals, and I get some vague answers, and not to knock them. In your opinion, when did the Internet really come about for the useful usefulness, even in the beginning? What, what year would you say we're really talking about the inception of people in a large-scale usage? Well, on a large scale, I mean, the idea was first started in 1974 where they de- devised it. But it was probably 1992-ish time frame when um, the National Science Foundation privatized the Internet. And that's when there was a little bit of a, um, a gold rush for a bunch of companies trying to be the first service providers, Internet, you know, ISPs, Internet service providers. Sure. So that's, you know, the er- before the Telecom Act from 92 to about 96 was, you know, that was really kind of the... Um, the time when it became something and people started to talk about it. But even in 1996, when it was, you know, kind of given, uh, you know, this unfettered by federal regulation uh, um, and state regulation policy that allowed it to to grow and allowed it to um, have built out the Internet really quickly. Uh, And that was it worked for the first five or 10 years. But interesting that uh, time. Uh, just to give a help help people understand, in 1996, when they made that policy and it was really starting to come mainstream, the there was only one senator um, that used the computer, the internet ever, and there were only a few percent of Americans that used it for an average of um, 30 minutes a month. Wow, that's amazing! So, yeah. in the internet back then, where they set the policy that has been run for 25 years. It was based on a very small subset of it, of insight or experience 
And at that time, it was like an electronic bulletin board. That's what it was. And it did it real well. And that's essentially what the dot-com you know, um, uh, bubble did. It just created a whole lot of you know, websites that were looking for views. And, uh, and I also back then was the first to kind of um, publicly tell investors that um, it was a bubble that was going to burst because they had hyped it, that it was growing, that internet traffic was growing 10 to 12 times faster than my research and others knew was actually happening. Well, we're glad to have people like yourself discussing this as we get into the real problems, you know, the real serial issues here. A recent op-ed uh, column that you've had here in mm-hmm. Town Hall, I think, describes some of this in a, in a synthesis way, and it's described here, and people can, of course, look at it or check it out, a declaration of independence from unchecked technological tyranny. That's a lot to say if you had to do a speed uh, class on repeating that, <laughs> but I'm sure the content of what we're going to hear is good. But before you jump into that, Help me out, sure. because I'm always one who likes to be a good listener as a host, not necessarily the one who just blowfates. And, you know, that's why we have great guests. But I have to ask this question before we move forward. Where and what is the governance when the Internet started? I mean, it's global, or was it actually here in the United States? Because I've never got another answer, a good answer to that. Tell us, who, who was the governance originally on this whole Internet, if there even was at all? One, one at all? Well, uh- you're you're pointing your finger where it should be pointed, and that is is that you know the internet itself in 1996 when it was launched, um, you know it is autonomous. You know, just think it's like it's an something that's automated that yep. just runs itself. It does you know it really doesn't need anything except one thing, which is called the root zone file, and the root zone file is like a phone book for the internet. It's the okay. thing that has that ties together a URL and um, an IP address. With that, and, the, and what we did is we controlled that uh, a root zone file at the Commerce Department and had a contract on it for many years. And then during the Obama administration at the end, they um, put it out so that publicly now and globally, it is um, run by ICANN, which is the International um, Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, and that is, it's been a disaster, in my opinion, okay. because there's no accountability. And so, um, and China and some others have had too much uh, hand in it. It makes me nervous as well. But it, um, when we gave up the root zone there, we took the only accountability there really was over the global Internet, and we handed it over. And wow. that, in my opinion, was a, a huge mistake. Well, I couldn't um, but, agree more, and, and not just to go rah-rah America. I mean, there's obviously more stories, and that's why we have guests like yourself. But I want to remind the listeners, you're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience, here with me, Steve Gates, on Talk Radio 77 WABC, New York City, and around the world, the number one talk radio station here in America. I'm privileged to have our special guest, Scott Cleland. He's the founder, executive director, and board director of this organization called Restorus Institute, they're located on the web, simply RestoreUsInstitute.org. And what do they stand for? The whole motto here simply is this, Restore Humanity Online. But, Scott, please continue on this. I can. I, I never really paid attention, and I'm being honest with you with the audience. I kind of read it in one of our news reports that the, uh, what, the uh, authority was given over or we lost it. But, again, let's get into a little bit more here in this particular interview. 
of what you've written as an op-ed in Town Hall just recently. Again, the title of this particular article, A Declaration of Independence from Unchecked Technological Tyranny. Lots to say, but as you describe it, and I quote, unfettered, free, and open internet, end quote, policy originally made sense to nurture a promising nascent internet experiment. But as the past quarter century has proven, a permanent trajectory of anarchic impunity to harm others or a mature internet is mindless madness. Translate that into what everybody out there needs to know from just that sentence alone. Well, and the reason I came up with the term mindless madness because there wasn't a good word in the English mm-hmm. language to capture what, how bad this is. And like on my web, website, restoreassinstitute.org, I, I have the mindless madness category, and I have like, the, they're the 10 outcomes. When you have a... Uh, um, a technology like the internet that everyone does everything everywhere for life, work, and play on this technology. At the, at the beginning, it was a separate place. We kind of, you know, almost worship it and idolized it and you know, thought about it as this um, utopia. And now it's fully integrated in everything. And so it really shouldn't be considered another place. It's, it's like another dimension. It's like if we have a, you know, we have, our, our mind, and we have, um, in our soul, we have a conscience, and it's another dimension on top of that that's an artificial one that tries to replicate most everything uh, in, in, in the real world. So um, did, did that help a little bit in, in yes. understanding that better, Steve? No, it absolutely does, and that's why I'm saying this is fascinating. I, mean, I, could go, I could go on with you and be a listener more than a talker for hours on this very subject because it really disturbs me, Scott. You know, I'm just one guy, there's billions of people. Now I hear the world describes the number of people on the planet as about 8 billion souls. I mean, not to say that that's too much, too little, or what have you, but the problem that I see is now we're going back to big tech. And we all know, right or wrong, what, of course, Dorsey did with uh, Twitter and, and just, you know, censoring people on there that they didn't like for whatever reason whatsoever. You know, the big things that go on with Facebook. Describe to us in simple terms. We'll get back into the op-ed in more detail, but for the average family out there, what, what's some of the precautions that you think people need to know about, especially when children are you know, using the Internet? What could be the argument if teachers are saying, hey, do your homework on the Internet? There's what? No boundary, it seems, unless parents put controls on them. But I talk in the broad sense here. What, what would you tell parents as the biggest issues with this technological well, tyranny? Well, I um, recommend that they... Uh, really need to restrict um, access to it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, kid, kids should not be on the Internet, real, real young kids. And, they, and there's huge um, pressure to do it, but they don't need to be. And what you'll see is the big tech, when they have their kids and they send them to um, private schools or whatever, they don't let them use Internet technology either. They get I didn't it. Know that. They know how addictive, how wow. um, manipulative it is, how um, you do not. I emphasize, do not want to wire a young child's um, brain with a, um, in the early years because they're so impressionable. And, you know, I worry, we know what happens like in China or in Russia where a child grows up for five or seven years sure. as an orphan and never gets touched or gets hugged or gets paid any attention to. And they're wired in a way where they just don't have the same personal, interpersonal skills. It's one of the saddest things. And Would you describe it, that as transhumanism in a, in, a, in, a, in a form? I mean, 
you know, we could go into that dimension, but transhumanism, is, is that somewhat relevant to what you're talking about here, of what the overuse of the Internet can do to younger people? It changes our... Yeah, well, I've, I've always had a heart for the, uh, young, young people, you know, as a parent, my kids are grown up, but mm-hmm. uh, um, it's that's the thing that disturbs me the most about um, the Internet and Internet policy is we have abandoned our children for 25 years. I mean, for five administrations, 13 Congresses and 17 Supreme Court justices have neglected to protect the American people from online harms and crimes for 20 five years. Wow. And it's, it's just unconscionable. I mean, the, yeah. um, I should, can I just do a little sidelight here to give you well, an go idea? Ahead, please. That's why we want to, we want to learn from our guests here. Yeah. And that's what this is about. Go ahead, please. There, um, the Supreme court got involved in this in 1997. There was a communications decency act that was trying to protect children from accessing porn. Um, the lawyers found it and the Supreme court found it to be technically um, poorly written, which I agree with, and it, um, that that's a, that was a problem. So they struck down as an un, um, as a uh, abridgment of adults' free speech because it was denying their access, adult access to porn. Well, the Communications Decency Act, you know, was put in there for a reason to keep pornography from kids, and as we know from the research since, it has been rampant, and it's gotten you know children. Um, are, you know, on the average age of seeing porn uh, way before 10 years old. And so, you know, it's just, you know, that's a horrible thing. But they had 10 parts of that law that they struck down because once you are taking down some of it, they, their precedents say take down all of it. Well, when they did that, something horrible happened. And they haven't fixed it, um, you know, they didn't fix it since. And that was um, in 1996, Section 508, was a criminal law passed as part of that law that said that created criminal penalties for coercing or enticing children for sex or sex trafficking or prostitution. Right. They overturned that as and when every when the judges over the last twenty years interpreted and go back to that thing, they go back and look and said, you know, wow, well, I guess if you um you know, if you're going to call it's free speech to pimp children or try and, um, you know, um, coerce them in that way, that's not freedom of speech. That's that's heinous. That's the most inhumane and amoral decisions I think the Supreme Court has probably ever made. So for 20 years, Congress nor they got revisited it until Congress revisited with the um, sex trafficking bill in 2000, I think, 19. But what I'm trying to tell you, that's how callous and how bad it has been towards children that, uh, and, and only because I went in and deep dived and compared stuff and figured out. And then when, you know, I saw it in my research, I almost wanted to cry. Uh, I was, agree. I mean, it's very sad. And we're, we're talking about tens of, of tens, or millions yeah. of, of countless children were fed to predators for the last 20 years. Oh, that's horrible. I mean, there needs to be a stop to this, and we have so many issues on the table here. But today, once again, welcome to the Dr. Sky Experience here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Out of New York City and around the world, we're privileged and honored to have Scott Cleveland. He is involved here as the executive director of the Institute.org, And he has an op-ed that we're going to little slice up a little bit here so we can move forward and talk about some ways that people can actually hopefully protect themselves in our guest opinion. 
But it's interesting here, the op-ed town hall just recently, a declaration of independence from unchecked technological tyranny. You describe in here, you go through a number of points. So if you could give us the the basic synopsis of that op-ed, just give us some more details from what we need to know that we're not paying attention to from our our own country and our constitution that should be enforced here. Yes, and, you know, we're about, about a year and a half ago, I got the idea of using the Declaration of Independence because um, as a way to tell the story here and to tell the story in a constitutional way, in a way that, you know, we, you know, the Declaration of Independence in 1776 was, um, you know, hugely influential in world history, and the Constitution then grew out of it um, a few years, a few years later. And why I, um, I got this thought, and I said, because I was dealing with big tech problems at the time, and I, I said, I wonder if tyrants were the same back then as they are now. And lo and behold, I went and read it, and I went, oh my goodness, there's 29 tyrannies that King George did. And then I've come up with 20 that are the heart of the Declaration of Independence for Unchecked Technological Tyranny. And lo and behold, the tyrants of today use the same tricks and the same arm twisting that they used 240 years ago. So that's the reason why I did it in this format, because also it's important that I wanted the, um, the government uh, to take it seriously because, um, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but because mm-hmm. um, we recommend to reconstitute the Constitution because in 1996, the constitutional authority was taken away from the Internet, even though it was over it from 91 to 90, 95. But the reason I tell you it in this context is, is that um, a lot of bad things have happened and we, people tend to think, oh, you know, freedom and liberty and, you know, that's the thing that's made America and it, and it has. And they think, oh, the Internet came along and perfected it. You know, it was like perfect freedom. Sure. No, 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 no. That's the, what my research has basically found. Is it has um, undermined liberty, um, equality and uh, justice and humanity so much at the core. And we are as a, uh, as a, as a people and as a nation, are um, much, much worse off because, because of it. Let me just well, summarize this in the, in the op-ed where yes. it said there are three chief tyrannies, okay. basically losses of freedom that we've had, that, um, and yet there are more, but these are the ones that make it personal for every one of your listeners. Is, um, the three are, first, it inhumanely prioritizes protecting technology over protecting people and children. Second, it's unjustly grants technology impunity over people, meaning they can do what they want with no risk or punishment. And it unfairly empowers them, uh, technology, it empowers technology to control and govern people without any rights, due process, or access to justice. And so, essentially online, you're dehumanized. You know that you're called a user. You're not a person, like a user, right. like an addict. Um, you're you're um, bought and sold as data, you know, or you're an avatar. Um, but all of those things are inanimate. You're not a human, you know, a living, breathing sure. human that, that bleeds or bruises or dies. That make good sense, right. And, uh, and so they um, treat us like commercial chattel where our da- personal data is bought and sold constantly. 
immediately. Uh, it is, um, we're indentured servants because they have all of our data. And so, um, and we know that there is a, um, you know, we're second class citizens. We've had our rights taken away. And so we are not the humans we are in the real world. And on, online, we are um, dehumanized and devalued and disenfranchised. I couldn't agree with you more, my friend. But let me ask you this, Scott. We just had a recent guest here on the Dr. Sky Experience, a gentleman named Mark Morano. And he wrote an interesting book, a rather lengthy book, but we got him on to discuss it, and we did, I think, justice to the book and his great guest. It's called The Great Reset. And obviously, going into The the Great Reset, Uh and how they're changing the whole world, and this is a whole global thing. So if we're talking about a constitutional standard here for America's, you know, the users here, how does that fly in the face of global governance? Because I would imagine as much as I'm a proud American, who wants to see what you're talking about come true, where are all the uh, nooks and crannies in this from the global side? I mean, it, does, it seems like an even bigger fight, don't you think? Because we here in America want to do this, I'm sure. We need to control the Internet better in a constitutional way. But what, but what, what kind of forces, I'm asking you, are out there that are on that global side for what we call global governance? What, what, what say well, you? There is no global governance because the UN hasn't done anything through the International Telecommunications Union. So okay. um, there is no real governance. It's anarchy globally. And the rest of the world, even though that we were the leader in Internet policy back in 1996, and we, you know, IBM basically was the company, the big company back then, and they went and got 70 or 80 countries to buy into, you know, um, e-commerce and, and, and all that. But... Um, what uh, sense other, almost every other major country has come up with their own, uh, sovereign or national policy. Uh, sadly, um, you know, China has taken a lead and theirs is a, a 1984 Orwellian exactly. super control bad thing. And they've taught it to like several dozen other autocracies around the world. You have Putin that created his own Russian net. And it used it as a pretext to go after Ukraine. Um, and then the EU, UK, the New Zealand, um, Japan, uh, South Korea, Australia, those countries or the EU have basically created, put their constitution or their um, way of doing things online and they control it. We are now the laggard. And we're the only country, that, um, big country, that is supposed to be civilized that has a Wild West Internet. And, you know, I just shake my head and say, yeah. when will, that's what RestoreUsInstitute.org is all about. We are here doing a few things, which is we know what the root cause of all the problems are. Because if you know the root cause, you know what the solution is. And the solution sure. is restoring constitutional authority over the U.S. Internet in U.S. policy. And what that does is we, if you know what is causing the problem, you want to undo it in the same way. When you remove the Constitution, if you want to fix it, you put the Constitution back in, and then you get intended consequences, not the unintended bad consequences over the last 25 years. Right. So, and as a, as a country, we need to come together and have a modern, an updated modern policy because Right now, when you have a Wild West policy, it's very primitivist. Why do we use that term? Well, when you take a policy as absence of government, well, before we had government, 
it was primitive. I mean, you, you know, you had tribal or you had the family that were Precisely. your only protection, right. but it was might is right, law of the jungle. It was nasty. You know, who was it? Hobbes, the nasty life was nasty, brutish, and short yeah. back in, you know, um, natural law of all. So we, you're right to ask about the rest of the countries, but um, we need to take care of us now because everybody else is taking care of their people. Interesting. And we look at China, obviously. You know, I was scratching my head for a minute saying, wow, their internet whole policy is run, what, it's like a great filter. I mean, I can only imagine, can you describe to the listeners out there, since many of us have not been to China, the communist, you know, the communist government, I'm saying there, how do they do that? I mean, they just have this massive thing where everything coming in and out of China has this massive filter. What, what don't they allow? Yeah. And, and on the dark side, uh, it looks like they have ultimate control there. In a, in a different way. Well, yeah, as Z went, um, you know, very, you know, communist and away from the market that they had um, for a long mm-hmm. time and is taking them to a very much a 1984, you know, um, totalitarian state. And um, just like in Orwell, they had the telescreen, they have the internet now, and essentially they can track and they have something called social capital where, you know, you have to, you know, uh, spy on your friends and family and tell, you know, the, the government if they're doing something wrong mm-hmm. and they can, they know where you are and what you're doing and, and, and all. I mean, so it's the worst. Uh, and, you know, the other autocracies out there use it the same way. Now, we showed them how. I mean, you know, Snowden um, back in, you know, the guy at the NSA who stole oh, you bet. the data, he was the one who showed that we we were listening to everybody and surveilling everybody around the world as well. So we lost all credibility internationally um, when they realized that, you know, the internet wasn't this gift to everybody, but it was a listening post for us and our NSA. You know, you bring up some interesting points here, but moving forward, you come up with solutions to the problem, not just to talk about it. And I'm very privileged, you know, to have you here to talk about this. Let's start to have a little conversation about the petition that you have up on your website, restoreusinstitute.org, and what this means so that people who may be scratching their heads saying, wow, you know, this is a big problem, and uh, our special guest, Scott, is telling us all about the dangers of an unfettered Internet and what's going on in the past and what we need to do, and it usually boils down to what can I do as a citizen? So let's get into that conversation and talk about the thing that you advise people to take a look at and hopefully read it sign it, and then be part of this movement to uh, protect our Internet and restore it back to a constitutional type of authority. Please carry on. This is exciting. Thank you very much for that, because it's really helpful. I mean, we did uh, um, put together a change.org. We have it in, you know, it's explained in kind of normal, easy language on, you know, for the petition. Change.org is the one that does it, you know, that can do it at the largest scale. And this is going to run until... Uh, you know, I, I, it could take years. It could be done quickly, but um, it's a doc, It was written as a document, uh, the Declaration of, in, of Independence uh, form that it is in, to be relevant five years from now, ten years from now, or fifty years from now. It is written to be historically accurate and historically relevant. So when somebody looks back and wants to understand how did this all fit together and how did it happen and how did it fit into democracy and into good government and uh, and everything. So what we're um, asking is it's a little bit, you know, it's longer than normal, pe- than, than people would normally read, 
This is a very, uh, you know, important problem. It is one that uh, I already explained how for 25 years, both parties have just left it on autopilot to be anarchic. And there, we can talk in a minute about big tech and all that and and free speech, but they, until the American public, you know, is interested and says, why are my children being fed to the wolves? Why are you um, not protecting us? I mean, for example, you know, Russia and China are, you know, China has stolen all of our um, intellectual property and our trade secrets, and they've broken into almost, they they stole my uh, uh, security clearance and 23 million other ones. So, and then the Russians use cybercrime and ransomware. They run it and they, you know, we're kidnapped constantly by Russia. I mean, we're like a third, um, you know, a a banana republic when it comes to the internet. And so... This yeah. is really serious, and what we've done with the declaration is the 20 tyrannies are, and grievances will help people realize and, and see this holistically. What we're doing uh, is we realize the Internet is holistic, the policy is holistic, how it works, right. it all fits together. And if you don't address it and help educate people so that they can see how how it affects everything, you know, culture and society and the economy and markets and the security sure. and public safety and raising your children. Everything we know in life is being affected and disrupted and, you know, screwed up. And well, Scott, so, I got to ask you this. So we start off with this, in your opinion, I mean, it's the most outrageous thing where we're hearing here about this ungovernance thing and the non-constitutionality of things going on on the Internet. You know, why is our government so asleep on this? I mean, you would always imagine it's too common sense a thing, and yet you're bringing it to our attention. What's been the real problem with this government? I mean, who, if you, if you want to name names, I mean, who, who's killed this concept in the government up till the present time? And why can't we seem to get this thing going uh, the way you would think from a common sense standpoint? Everything you're saying makes sense. Why don't they think that way? Now, let me give you the common sense answer, and you'll yep. go, oh, okay. What you have is on the internet, there is one law that's um, section 230, which people have heard about. And that's the thing that gives them immunity or impunity to censor the the right calls it censorship. The left calls it misinformation. But so we know like in civil law or in criminal law, there are many, many dozens of crimes or things that you can do wrong. Right. Right now we have, um, Section 230, and it was based, written for defamation. And so it is telling the world in America, and in America, there's only one crime, and there's only one way to look at the law, which is defamation. So everything now is looked at as free speech. That's nuts. It is a all-purpose con- um, conduct. It is comprehensive. You know, it's criminal behavior, commercial behavior. Mm-hmm. All of that is done on the Internet, and not all of it is free speech. But that's the way it's treated. And because um, big tech knows they have everybody focused on the free speech stuff. Free speech is we could, you know, quibble one to five percent of the Internet problems. And there's 10,000 voices in Washington fighting over the free speech aspect. And we're going, you don't need us to be the 10,000th first. We want to be the first because we're the only ones right now that's focusing on the other 99 or 95 percent. You know, the fentanyl problem, the cybercrime, the cyberbullying. There's a lot of people working on each individual problem, 
nobody's looking at it systemically except um, we are. We're trying to pull together a, a coalition. But why it's happened and why they can't get over is both sides, um, uh, you know, the left and the right are completely addicted to the political fundraising through, um, through uh, social media and big tech. And, you know, Facebook, they give anger um, five points and they give likes one point. And so they incentivize anger and hate. It's, it makes them more money. And the thing is, is both parties make so much money online fundraising. They're addicted to it. And so like, literally, yes. what, um, the way I describe this, anybody who's watched you know, five or six-year-olds play soccer, and what it is, is there might be 20 kids out there, but they're all right around the ball, and they're all kicking either trying to kick the ball or kicking each other in the shin. That is what our right. two parties and Congress and the, the parties are doing. It's this giant five, six-year-old um, soccer match where they are so bent on kicking the ball or and, uh, are kicking the shins of their opponents that they're um, you know, they, they literally can't come together and because they're so polarized. And um, if they could just look up, the problem is, is because of big tech, because of the policy, because of the design, we have worshipped and put technology and innovation and the Internet as an idol that it is worshipped. And they do everything possible to protect the technology. And what you'll see in our conclusion of the Declaration of Independence here is we need to restore, we the people, people primacy. If you're a person of faith, you know that you, you know people are made in the image of God and that they're Absolutely. precious. If you're yes. not, you know that people are precious because they have human rights and they deserve to be treated as human, Amen. not as inanimate objects. And the thing is, is both parties and all of Washington is so... Um, you know, kind of captured and creatures of the technology world that they have forgotten the people. That's why well, this is here, right. This is interesting. We go to the people this, here. Right. That's interesting. You bring this up because it's not a simple blame game of saying, "Oh, I'm a Republican." It's the Democrats, <clears throat> and then the Democrats, excuse me, blaming the Republicans. You're telling me this is a systemic problem, and the main motivating thing here is you're talking about fundraising. Yeah, we forgot about the mother's milk of politics. So let's ignore the real issues, but we'll carry on in the same old way. What? So we can generate more revenue. So we need to be restoring our Internet here with what you're talking about, with RestoreUsInstitute.org, and our special guest today here on the Dr. Sky Experience. Proud to have him. Scott Cleland, he's the executive director of this organization. And again, the website that you can learn so much more about is RestoreUsInstitute.org. Now, if they want to go and look at this declaration, please navigate us through the Internet. Where can they go and see this and actually read it and hopefully yep. agree and if sign If you up? go to RestoreUsInstitute.org, it's very easy. It'll say, it'll say Declaration of Independence Petition. You click on it. You can read the summary of it, and you can read the summary part easily, and then it's you know another click and give you the, the, the six-page a declaration and it you know enumerates uh, the, the grievances. There's also we're we looking for the long term here. This is going to you know take a big effort and some time. We call it the mindful many, and that is is that we know that you know there are Americans. You know the old adage is 
you know, um, the only thing for evil to triumph over good is for good people to do nothing. And I believe there's still um, a, a remnant and still a lot of Americans that are good people. They need to step up and, uh, you know, they can sign, you know, they can learn about it and sign the petition. They can uh, join the movement and they can donate. I mean, this is, we're trying to start something from scratch. We've figured out what the cause of the problem is. And it's like any scientist or any somebody that's trying to cure a disease or whatever, they'll tell if you figure out what's causing it, you can cure it. It's easy. The hard thing is knowing what you're trying to fix. You know, and, it's an uh, honor to have where, you here. And I hate to cut you short, but our time allotment today, obviously everything dictates by the clock here. Even in this particular podcast edition that we're doing here and also for broadcast at a future time, but if you could give us in a couple of minutes, minute or two, just a summation here of the points, and I'd love them to, of course, go to simply restoreusinstitute.org, learn so much more about what Scott and his organization stands for. And it's a real honor to have you here, but you get the floor yeah. for the next two minutes because Thank you. that's what our time allotment is today, to give us a synopsis of why this is important and what people need to do. Well, this is something, a problem that affects all Americans, so 330 million plus. You know, everybody out there that I'm talking to, either you or your loved ones or people you know, are victims of cybercrime, identity theft, cyberbullying, cyber harassment, or the fraud, or um, ransomware. It's affected you. And hopefully, you will help us help you, your loved one, and everyone, because we are looking at this. Look, everybody bleeds, bruises, and dies the same way. Like, for example, 100,000 um, people have died from fentanyl poisoning. It's because of illegal online ph pharmacies, 97%. Exactly. So we help us help you, your children, your everyone, unless we come together. And we can. I mean, uh, the, when people look at what we're asking and saying, if you're in the mindful many, what we're saying is, if you believe in the golden rule, if you believe in sovereignty, the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, Bill of Rights, Rule of Law, civil precedence, duty of care, an oath of office to the Constitution, human rights. If you believe in those things, those are the standards of authority in the United States. You're with us. It's not like we're, all we're trying to do is restore humanity, justice, and safety online. Because there's no, man, there's no justice. It's awful. And the thing is, is this can do it over time if enough people are willing to help. Scott, thank you. We'd like to talk about this in the future and uh, talk more with you in depth on this particular subject and what your organization stands for again here on this experience, the Dr. Sky Experience on Talk Radio 77 WABC, New York City proud and around the world, the number one talk radio station in America. And thanks to our producer, Richard Dugan, for making it happen. Great stories here, ladies and gentlemen. Normally our theme goes to the subject matters of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather. Celebrity guests in the mix, but let's not forget the Dr. Sky Experience talks about common sense interviews and experiences about our American heritage and American exceptionalism. And that is why we had today. It's RestoreUsInstitute.org. Simply this, Restore Humanity Online. Scott, if you'd be kind enough to stay on the line with us as we go to the hard break here, I do appreciate your time. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here. Hope you're enjoying this. And as we continue to move through time and space, more great guests from all these realms. Have a great day.